Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, I'm Ryan. I'm Will. And I'm Ivan. And tonight, we review week two of the Traders UK on the only Traders podcast by the people who've been there, done that, and got a t-shirt. This is episode 27 of It's Just a Game. And welcome to episode 27 of It's Just a Game, the podcast where we watch reality TV so you don't have to. Every week, we look at the best strategies, the most iconic moments, and the craziest moves of your favorite reality TV shows. This week, we're back to discuss week two on The Traitors UK. My name is Ryan. You may remember me as a guy who couldn't keep his lunch down on series one of The Traitors UK. I could not do this alone. And so every week I'm joined by a fellow faithful and a fellow traitor. First, the man who'd backstab a traitor faster than a cowboy could pull his gun. Wilf, hello, Wilf. How are you? Hello, I'm Will. And I'm actually, now you're watching season two, you probably think, actually, he was quite a nice traitor, actually. He was a nice traitor, yeah. (laughs) I was actually, I told you, I told everyone, you wait till season two, they're going to have some ruthless people. But anyway, Ryan, I'm okay. How are you, Ivan? Oh, I'm was that my intro? I'll tell you what was so weird for me. It was jarring. I had a jump scare because normally it's Ryan who asks me questions. And then suddenly now, Will, you're asking me questions like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh. Well, you you just fuck with my intro. Just say it from the beginning. Right. Everyone, listen. Everyone, guys, this is Ryan's intro for me. And the man responsible for Tom's from the traitor's unemployment. Ivan. Hello, Ivan. How are you? <laughs> How are you, uh, Will? <laughs> okay, I think I just go fuck myself, right? <laughs> if you don't mind. How was your holiday, Ryan? Look, it's not bad. Uh, last week it was live from Miami. Today I am live from Sydney, and next week I'll be live from Wellington. So uh, really, sort of going around here. Where's Wellington? In the UK, Wellington. New Zealand? No, New Zealand. Uh, you're confusing. You're confusing with the beef. Yes. Wellington boots were created in New Zealand. I think probably Wellington, the name Wellington and Wellington Boots go, both came from the Duke of Wellington. 
I am bored of this podcast. Okay. <laughs> anyway, as always, we're entering a spoiler zone. So if you haven't seen episodes one to six of The Traitors UK, go away and come back when you're done. If you have seen them, stay right there. And because we all know it's quite hard to focus on both the show and Twitter at the same time, Ivan is here to remind you of everything that has gone down in the past week on The Traitors UK in his recurring segment. Ivan, what's been going on, Ivan? So, Ivan, tell us what, what's been going on, Ivan. Ivan. Well, the first thing to say is that Wellington was named after the first Duke of Wellington, Arthur Wellesley, and victor, he was the victor of the Battle of Waterloo. And I do also believe that he was the person who gave the name Wellingtons to the boots as well. I can't confirm that, right? I hate that you're the one making the edit because I conquered this out this time Ooh. around. Oh, no, no, absolutely. What you can do is just block your ears at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so Ivan, what's been going on, Ivan? Let's let's talk about some traitors. Episode four. Anthony votes for Brian and he tearfully reveals that he's I said a traitor here, but it's definitely faithful. You can tell these are great notes, right? Brian's a faithful. Ash is saved, but she's understandably furious. Oh, we're all excited for the traitor's tower, but in the tower, Paul and Harry give us piss poor excuses for voting Ash, and she's far too understanding. And basically, Ash doesn't fire. I know. The traitors must condemn four players to the dungeon. One will be saved during the mission, one will be murdered. They pick Meg, Andrew, and then two traitors in Ash and Paul. Unbelievably poor arithmetic, friends. I'm putting a pin in this, because hell no. At breakfast, discovering the twist, Zach and Jazz suspect Paul. Others suspect Ash and Meg. The task is a nugget dig broken bridge traverse. The red team win and choose to rescue Andrew, meaning two of the dungeoneers are still traitors. Paul is surprised at not being picked to be saved. And worse, Zach brings him straight up. Paul defends himself by bringing up his family and tearfully saying, I'm ready to go. Then Harry brings up Ash immediately. Meg is also highly under scrutiny, but it's Ash who has the overwhelming votes and is banished. The crowd goes wild. Paul puts his head in his hands. Episode five, Paul's emotional. The traitors all blame Ash for being bad at it, and Meg is guaranteed to be killed. At breakfast, they all expect Paul to be killed because they think Meg is a traitor. So when Paul turns up, they're just confused. But don't make the connection. The chat circles on Paul and Johnny. Jack and Zaz lead the charge for Paul. The task is an uphill catapult part drag. They win! Ross wins a shield. If you could see what I'm looking at right now, you'd all be disgusted. <laughs> um, Zach and Anthony have a bit of a tussle over nothing. Jasmine and Johnny have a bit of a tussle over nothing. It's tense! There are tussles! At the round table, votes fly for men. But mostly Johnny. Harry, who idolises Johnny, also goes that way and he's banished. The group are deflated. Harry runs out and has a big cry in the courtyard backstage. We can see one of those stands where they hold cameras or lights. Jazz is on to Paul. Episode six. Tracy's gone because she has no link to anyone. Oh. Do you want to say it's gone? Say your joke, Ryan. She didn't see that coming. Yeah, okay. Accusations fly, but it's all a lot of <laughs> which men said what about which men? Andrew, Zach, Anthony, Ross, a variety of men all get chucked in the men hat. The mission is a grave robbery. They do fine. It's actually a great mission to watch. Harry dubs himself, Andrew and Anthony, the removal men, and want to take Zach out with the bins. Names fly at the round table, but when Jasmine accuses Anthony, he's just plain rude. Anthony is banished and is so bitter about it. The traitors must murder in plain sight by giving them a poisoned chalice. They meet outside first and head in to find a set of hidden books. Make a hash of that, eventually find it, remove the chalice, fill it with wine, and hand it to... Diane? Maybe. And that's where we are now. Diane is not drunk from the chalice, but it would be very weird if she doesn't. And the amount that I've had to put up with on this podcast has driven me... I'm sorry. <laughs> slightly, slightly of the... 
Off the wall. Yeah, Wolf had a had a little visit from his wife, uh, who came to to say <laughs> hi. Say like that, she just came and kissed me. <laughs> well, you know, you can call it what you want, Wolf. <laughs> anyway, 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 anyway. anyway obviously, yeah. we we'll start with episode four, right? Yes, please. Can we please just look at the best part? The whole season so far is when Ash is really pissed off. Right, she comes in. She looks angry. She looks like she's going to kill um, Paul and uh, Paul and Harry. And then Paul looks around and goes. You okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually quite pissed off, actually. Well, look, uh, let's start with this, then the clash of traitors. There's a lot of clashes going on in these first episodes, but obviously the first one, the big one, is this incredibly awkward tower where Paul, you know, comes in as middle manager, being like, look, uh, this, this isn't about you, but your performance has been so par, uh, and tries to explain to Ash why they all try to vote for them, trying to explain why they're really not conniving at all. Um, it's like they're conducting her annual review, isn't it? It's very surgical in a, in a weird way. It made me a bit, mm. It's so surgical. I didn't like it. And they, they accepted the reasons way too... She accepted the reasons way too easily. Like, I would have said... I'm sorry, I got the calculations wrong. I calculated yeah. more people that were voting for you. I thought were voting for you, but they didn't. That's not any better. That's even worse. No, it's not. Paul's excuse is, because he was going with the quiet person narrative, it would have made no sense to vote anyone else. And to change his vote seemed dodgy. Meg? Yeah, exactly. And then it's not as if there's only one quiet person. And then Harry said he thought Ash was safe, so wanted to vote for her to throw them off the scent, right? But then, like... There was a second round of votes. So I don't, I don't know what I don't know what it means. It's rubbish. And she's angry. And then she's just like, okay. Yeah, that's really weird. She goes down without a fight. It's just like at this one, we go fully scorched earth. But she actually goes on to defend Paul even the next day. And I, I love Ash, yeah. right? Just for the fact that she's, brilliant. she's a massive fan of the show. Like, like I said, she DM'd me straight after the show and said, well done, blah, blah, blah. When we were on it in January, uh, well, in January, she DM'd me and I didn't realise it was her until later on. And then, and then I had a soft spot for her. But then the worst thing yeah. she did, she would just went, put me in the dungeon so I can't defend myself. There was no way she could make friends anymore. She just put, segregated herself. Put yourself in that situation. Uh, Ash has survived the roundtable mm-hmm. vote and is now in the tower. What do you say to stop them from doing the same thing to you tomorrow? Because whatever she said didn't work, right? They still went for her the next day and they got her this time. So what do you say to her in this situation? Sorry, not to her, to the other three traitors. I think when you're in that position, there's only really one way you can get out of it. And you need to let them know, look, if you do this to me, I will fuck you over. Because at the end of the day, the trade is an individual game. I know it's against the rules, clearly. You don't have to actually pull through with it. But you need to make them believe that you will fuck them over. If they go against you, you will go against them and you will ruin the game. It's just mutually assured destruction. Um, I, I think I would just say, right, guys... What is on the Welsh flag? <laughs> That's what I'd say. No, I'm joking. That's what I'd say. No, I'm joking. What I'd say is similar along the lines. I'd say, look, we're in this together. We need to stay four people so we have a good voting chance of getting whoever we want to be banished out sooner rather than later. If you want to backstab, we can do that later on. Let's just focus on the game. Let's do that after episode six. I, I, I agree with you to a certain extent, but they've already made up their mind about her being weak. So I would... Mm. I would consider writing my chances and saying something like, this is perfect. I know you didn't mean it this way, but let's use it this way. 
you can occasionally vote for me again if you want to. You can even bring my name up because we know that being under suspicion is a great reason to not get murdered. So bring my name up, say you suspect me, but don't go for me from now on. And that's going to mean more of us are safe to get to the end of the season. Now, Mm. that's not even that convincing. But what I'm doing here is I'm saying... I'm happy to use your backstab on me as a tactic going forward. And hopefully they will go, oh, okay, she has actually performed well in her annual review. She's met her KPIs. And then my middle manager <laughs> Paul might, might give me a stay of execution for a few days longer. I don't know. I just feel like you've got to say something and like frame what they've done as in like, actually, that's fine for me. Here's what I'm going to do with it. I don't feel that good about it, but I also think that like just being like "fuck you guys," I will. I'll have you like they, they know there's nothing there. If they just get the numbers, which are already there, they can get rid of you. You've got to win them over somehow differently, I think. But you don't need a number to just part and gift someone, really. Yeah, but you, you're not allowed to part and gift. It's against the rules. No, but the threat of it should be enough. Well, no, because everyone's going to know they can't do it, right? Mm. Let's talk about the traitors generally then, because. Paul and Harry, uh, interesting receptions on social media this week. Paul is sort of the middle manager, uh, the uh, the evil uh, KPI man. And then you've got uh, Harry, who's his personal assistant. Uh, and you've got this sort of weird duo that just leaves Miles out. And I'm just thinking, if you're in Miles' position there, how do you work with that dynamic where you've got two traitors that are quite a strong bond, and then it's just you left on your own once Ash has left? Um, personally, I think what's going to happen is I think Paul's playing the game very, very well. No, I find not. him really entertaining to watch. I, I, I am. I think he's playing it better than what people think. I think, yeah, he has been sussed out. He's not. He definitely is, mate. Like he wouldn't be in control. Have you seen the power that he has at the moment? He's not. Like he's honestly, I don't think he's playing the game. I think we're just dealing with another Australia Series Two situation where he's not playing the greatest game. There's a lot of things that he's mistakes he's done, including the dungeon, yeah, of course. where he's put himself in the spotlight and just wouldn't was faithful to struggling to pick up on it and being a bit slow to pick up on it but i think his demise is coming yeah i think he's playing it's hard to say i think he's the most entertaining traitor to watch and probably the most entertaining person to watch on the show at the moment in my opinion um i do think like i'm not saying he's he's the strongest traitor in the moment uh, at the moment i don't think his game plan is the greatest but it's not too late to save it i think he could possibly save face um it depends on how he acts and how Mm. but the thing is the guy can't help grin and stuff he can't help the some things come through at the round table. He was even grinning um, in the final, ep- in the last episode we watched, but we'll talk about that later. But Paul, uh, no, with Miles, I think what will happen is Harry and Miles will start getting insecure by Paul from how much he's happy to turn on anyone and they'll possibly turn on him at some point. Uh, but Miles, I think he's playing quite a good game so far. Apart, apart from the last episode, weren't hundred percent, but some episodes I forgot he was a traitor. He's just blending in quite well. He's playing the best game. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting that this is this is actually like a great example of how Miles is doing it. That, that Ryan, you asked a question about Miles, and we talk about Paul for a while because that's how he wants it. He's very aware of this, right? He's doing a good teamworking thing. Every opportunity he gets in the missions, he's trying to like lead the Faithful's team. He's trying to keep us a very team based thing. He's not trying to stand out. He doesn't want to be the most popular person. I think Miles is doing a really good job. I get that he might see. Um, uh, uh, Harry and Paul as being like a, a pair, especially when he watches Harry dob in Jazz to Paul yeah. 
over the Traitor's Tower. That was something Harry had over Paul. Could have used that. If Harry had any aspiration to get rid of Paul at any point in this series, he could have used it right then. Not told him, or even worse, made Paul kill Jazz would have been great. So Miles hopefully has been watching that and realised he is in a precarious position of being number three right now. I'd hate to see it. I really like him. I really respect him. He's holding himself together. My only criticism is he's saying a lot of, I've got no idea, which that's what Amanda did in our series as well. Early days, kept yeah. saying she had no idea, kept mm-hmm. saying there may not be any traitors at all. It is really, really obvious, but confirmation bias, we already know he's a traitor. So it's very hard for us to see, like we see through the noise because we're only looking at him. Um, I would say um, about uh, Harry, he's got this amazing reception now online because he's redeemed himself by crying about having to vote out uh, Johnny. I'm not sure I love the fact that most of Johnny's elimination was basically used to redeem Harry, that's an editing choice. Mm. Harry obviously felt bad about it and guilty about it and had to leave the room. I'm interested in the fact that both he had to leave the room and you had to leave the room as well. Didn't you, Will, a couple of times during the round table? No, I didn't leave. Didn't you go to the loo? You went to the loo a couple of times, didn't I you? Went to the, I went to the wee. I went for, for a wee wee, yeah. Yes or no? Did you wee in the room? No, I didn't do it, Chris. <laughs> so that's, all right, so, Your Honour, back to my original question. <laughs> did, you, did you leave the room a couple of times during the round tables? <laughs> yes. I think it's a decompression tactic. You'd be a great lawyer, Ivan. Yeah, I mean, so obviously um, everyone saw Harry's kind of um, uh, tears in that round table as guilt. Uh, not as guilt, as, as well, yeah, as guilt, but in a different sense. Guilt from like, how, how dare I get rid of my hero? And actually it was guilt because it's like, I can't believe I did this for the game. Um, and then he sort of, he stormed out and, and charged out. And I think it was very effective, but I do think that's like highly, highly traitor stuff. That kind of the guilt cry, right? Day four, red breakfast, two people cried mm. after breakfast and I couldn't make sense of it. One was Wilf, the other was Alyssa. Uh, I then went immediately to Theo and said, Theo, mark my words, Wilf and Alyssa are traitors because I couldn't make sense of why you were crying. We should be looking for the guilt cry as much as we can. It really is very telling. Well, the one thing I will say on this crying now is that I think it really does set Paul and Harry apart. That is the one thing. And obviously there's a significant element of editing there, mm. but you're seeing a lot of Paul smirking, loving the game. Like, Maybe stuff is edited out, but certainly the stuff that's in the in he actually said, and there's a lot of things he's saying where he's clearly maybe enjoying this a little bit too much. It's just not much much feeling behind that. It's almost like I, I can't call him a sociopath because like we're not psychiatrists. I'm not going to diagnose him here, but you know, no. he's very soulless about a lot of these quite harsh decisions he does that impact everyone else's game. Whereas Harry, you can tell it is actually getting to him. The emotions are coming. The tears are genuine. I'm not really getting that from Paul. So I think there's a massive difference there. And, you know, like in that way, Paul is quite unique as a traitor, maybe quite like Sam from series two in Australia. Uh, whereas Harry's closer to somebody like Wilf, uh, who was actually having to play with the game, but was always feeling, you know, quite, uh, quite upset about it, quite feeling the difficulty, the challenges of that, which I'm not really getting from Paul. Paul did do a little cry, though, when he was accused by Zach. He was like, I'm ready to go home. Which was entirely fake. I think that was fake. The one, but he did have a yeah, little, he did this for the game. Yeah, but he had a little bit of a whinge, not a whinge, a little cry in the actual mm. MIV as well. When he was in his yeah. interview, he had a little tiny well up, but then he was laughing five seconds later. He was laughing. That could be like a defense mechanism. I don't know. But mm. I think what he's trying his hardest to do is separate emotion from the game. And I think he's done mm. it quite well so far. Um, in in that aspect i think that's what's making it really hard for lots of people including myself to really like feel sorry for paul it's the fact that he's got this very um devoid of emotion attitude to the game and i think a big part of what's interesting about seeing traitors play that game is the internal conflict and he's got none of that 
You know, at one point in this, he was like, oh, it's hard being a traitor, isn't it? When he had to, like, find the hidden book. And it was like, okay, fine. But yeah, you're not finding it hard in the same way that other people are finding it hard. <laughs> yeah, it's not about the emotions. You just can't figure out which book is Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's, that's a traitor's, and that's a traitor's game. Um, talking about Paul, then, um, I've got to think about this brand new twist that's in the dungeon, uh, where you send four people to the dungeon um, and one of them will be murdered. Interesting twist, you know. Um, I want to get your views on who you're sending in there, because obviously sending two traitors was a, an interesting choice, let's say let's say that. <laughs> How did you feel about that, Wilf? So I think it's... It's like being in purgatory. That's why I like it. It's like you're not being murdered. You're not being banished. It's like in between. You don't know if you're going to be murdered and you can't defend yourself like you come around the round table, mm. but you still might not, you still might survive. So it's a really strange thing because they're segregated from the rest of the group. I think it's the worst decision I think I've seen so far on a lot of reality TV that we've watched so far was put into traitors yeah. down there. It's just, I don't know why they must have watched last season and realized if you put four faithfuls down there, they will all just fight amongst each other and you probably saved yourself two round tables at least. Ivan. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, especially because they were out of the conversation. So everyone is talking about them. Everyone is going, oh, who do you think yeah. is of those three, right? Even if you don't really suspect them, you get all day talking about them. What does that happen? What's right? And, and what happens when you're allowed to talk about people the whole time? You start to feel suspicious about them. You start to feel like they are other and you can other them when you get to the round table. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely ludicrous. Now, I'm going to give Paul a little bit of benefit of the doubt here. He encouraged Ash to go in because he knew that Ash would get banished at the end of the day, yeah. which only accounts for the murder. Two faithfuls and him, even if one gets saved, you can kill the other, right? So we kind of get that, but that's not thinking long-term. Everyone in that dungeon had suspicion raised. Meg had suspicion raised to the point where they thought she must have been a traitor. Andrew, his name was in everyone's um, mouths today, episode six, the episode afterwards. And Paul, as we know, did get really, really looked at. Jazz has not given up that little rag. I really, really think this was a bad idea. I think, you know, we almost got to the situation that I warned everyone about at the round table last year, where there's only going to be uh, traitors left and they have to either murder one of each other or not murder at all. That would have added them entirely i was willing for it i was willing for it yeah didn't quite happen but even as it stands like they got that amazing but i would say that's a visible biscuit of paul turning up <laughs> morning of morning of day five uh meg gone and they went oh that's weird cool anyway who wants a cross on it's like mate that's the, that's it there it's the I don't biggest know. hint that's what makes me think we've got an australia series two on our hands this is probably mm. one of the biggest hints as to who's a traitor we've ever had in a series of the traitors the fact that paul comes back when inevitably everyone was going to banish meg this makes no sense in any way like yeah they should have concluded accordingly and yet they just stand there they're like oh yeah that's weird i really thought meg was a traitor anyway do you have some jam he didn't even acknowledge meg being not uh, being murdered either so when paul came in he didn't actually acknowledge meg at all it was almost weird he didn't say i don't think he even said he felt bad for mm. meg or anything at any point there was another thing that happened at breakfast that i think was a massive giveaway which was day four when they were waiting to find out who had gone into the dungeon now they didn't know about the dungeon twist yet so the faithfuls shouldn't have known anything about it and they got down to four and andrew was one of them and i was like oh why andrew that's weird and it's like no he hasn't he hasn't been sent home yet mate you can't start speculating yet about andrew <laughs> and i thought that was really that was also really really odd and really yeah. like come on just listen to that listen to that how's he why is he speculating on somebody being chosen when we don't know if he's been chosen yet 
Um, so there have been some breakfast clues, like definitely some cereal crumbs. But I think I think it's interesting, and it, it really is the point in time that made me go from oh, okay, Paul's a bit ruthless about it. I'm not very much liking how he plays the game, but he's actually playing a good game to oh, maybe he's not as strategic with all he was because that is that could come and bite you in the ass very easily. I feel like the traitors are under a lot more suspicion this series than our series. Yeah. I don't think we're going to need a recruitment this year because it's episode six. They've got three left. Now, at this point last season, you had two. They'll only recruit if they get down to one. I definitely don't think they're going to need a recruitment. I think we're going to, these, these, these three are going to the end. Um, and I, and I, yeah, as I said, I think I, it was my prediction. Three of the last six are going to be traitors. I'm not sure all three of them will go to the end. I generally do not think Paul at this stage can make it to the end. Um, I just don't, I just don't know. I mean, yeah, they, they clearly aren't going to murder Jazz. Um, so Jazz will keep banging that drum, but also he's kind of been forced not to. Like Diane was like, are you done now? Are you done accusing Paul? And so like, if he backs down on that and lets it go, Paul can just fly under the radar for a few more days. With Diane most likely being gone tomorrow and with, you know, which is, you know, one obstacle removed. And with the fact that I think he gained a lot, like, a huge lot of support telling us uh, all in the castle about his life story, about his relationship with betrayal. And I think that could actually garner just enough support for him yeah. uh, that people will follow him and vote for Paul. But, and I also think that Diane is a massive influence in that castle. And if she goes, she was one that was determined that Paul wasn't a traitor. So he's, by you making that decision that he has, they have tonight, if it actually goes through, he's lost one of his, hundred percent as we can call it his she thinks he's hundred percent not a, yeah. not a traitor um so it's only really the only other person is um charlotte charlotte who thinks he's a hundred percent faithful so if them two and i don't think charlotte's got long left either to be fair can, can we talk about murder matter here because like it's, it's yeah. a pretty accepted fact right now that you don't murder someone who suspects you. Mm. Um, and you also don't murder somebody who is a suspect. So so that's why murdering, not murdering Meg or, or, or murdering Meg was so weird, because she was such a suspect, you'd never murder her. Um, but what that means, it's, it's now accepted. And it was the case in our season too, that you need to murder somebody who's kind of either out of the picture or highly trusted. Um, so that's why they didn't murder Diane. Um uh, in episode five to six, they didn't murder Charlotte, I think, because Paul knew he always had her vote. Um, so that's the reason why Charlotte wasn't killed. So that's clearly why they went for, um, already forgotten her name, but the, 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 the charlatan. Nope. The clairvoyant. What's her name? The, um, uh, Tracy. Tracy. Yeah. Tracy. Um, charlatan. No, I've got Charlotte on the mind. That's not, she's not a charlatan. She's a, ge- a genuine clairvoyant. There's too many names beginning in Charl. It doesn't help. Two. That's too many. That's too many. Uh, there's also a jazz and a jasmine. And there's an uh, Andrew and an Anthony. It's, Honestly, I just, casting. I, like, what is casting doing? Next year, we're going to have four Pauls, 12 Harrys. <laughs> I, had a, I had a little... I was thinking about how many people in our season had the name that began with A. There were seven. Yeah. I looked it up today. There's seven. And there's four people whose names begin with A in this season. That's 11 out of 44. That's one quarter of all UK contestants have names that begin with a so if your name get, begins with a apply you never know apply now bbc.co.uk slash take part that's my huge tip change your name just change your name <laughs> sorry Brenda. my name is a ryan yeah. i will i will and avon oh woof. <laughs> hey ivan so there we go now we've talked about the dungeon so far. Uh, the big next question then is to talk about Paul. Paul who sort of puts himself in danger in that dungeon and the danger keeps going. And 
you know, everyone at breakfast moves on quite quickly from him coming back, except Jazz, and Jazz seems to finally be onto Paul. And not only Paul, but then he starts being onto Harry because Paul sort of tries to gaslight him at the end of episode six since he's thinking that he's not a traitor. And in doing so, he sort of shines a light on Harry as well. And in doing that, I, I think Jazz is starting to catch on to the fact that he's that not only Paul, but also Harry are both traitors. I think it's a really good play. Do we think Paul still has a chance of making it at this point? Obviously, the heat is on now. Ivan. Yeah, um, well, there's two things there. First of all, um, Jazz did a really brilliant little little interlocution of, of Paul, and Paul gave away another little clue. He said, I want you to think that I'm a faithful, and I want to think that you're a faithful. What he needed to say was, I, I need you to know that I'm a faithful. And the think part, I think, was quite telling. And mm. it's so, so good that Jazz has figured out and gone, hang on, why did Harry feed back to you what I said? When did that happen? Why? And like, he, ah, God, he's got to be onto it. One thing that could help him with that is he's suddenly become very influential because he's shared a really important story about having been betrayed by a Paul figure in his past. If yeah. he can get the faithfuls on side by go by like rallying them behind him, this is awesome. What's going to stand in his way, I think, is if Diane has died. Um, Diane, who was so, so pro Paul. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's balanced really, really interestingly. But the way that Paul is exerting his social power over everyone else is really fascinating because I don't think we get to see enough of that. Like he doesn't come across as that charismatic mm. for us looking at him. He comes across as lovely, but he looked, he was really nervous during the poison chalice thing. He often comes across as quite sort of giggly and strange. He seems lovely. He seems like, you know, a really, really nice guy. But he doesn't come across as this, like, cultural leader, which everyone's making him out to be. Yeah. He probably is doing that. It just doesn't come across on camera. But whatever's happening, it's happening. And people are now starting to feel afraid of speaking out against him. Jazz needs to carry on and he needs to get numbers with him. Anthony, unfortunately, was one of those numbers. Zach still is. I think Evie mentioned him too. There are other people who should be able to put, put their little crumbs together now. And I think over the course of the week, they're going to think about how they need to start thinking different. And eventually thinking different is going to point them in Paul's direction. Now, Wilf, do you think Paul has a chance? Do we think by the next episode of this podcast, Paul will still be in the game? I think he's ruined it for himself. Um, exactly what Ivan said. I think that little conversation he had with Jazz, he did it in the wrong way. He said the wrong words. He mm. used words that he shouldn't use. Um, like the think, think I'm a traitor. I think that's mm. a really, really strong word. And I feel like Jazz is playing it really well. I think Jazz knows Paul's a traitor and he's known for probably two, three days actually, but he's kept it to himself because he don't want to endanger himself. And we always say, if you speak too much, you're going to get murdered, right? But the thing is, because Paul now knows, Jazz knows comfortably and he's very confident about it, Jazz is in for the long game now. It's like Maddie. Maddie was in for the long game, not just because, you know what? I kept, a, a lot of people don't understand that. I kept Maddie in actually for the fact of every time she mentioned my name, people would laugh. And it was like, if I take her out, if people started voting for me, saying my name and they took her more seriously, that's why I kept her in because people laughed. But on the other hand, it was the fact if I murder her, I'll look even more suspicious. So I feel like they'll keep him in because of that. And I think Jazz is going to be group a lot of people now he knows it's harry too and i feel like in his heart he definitely knows he'll be able to go to the right people who are not harry's friends that are not paul's friends but even though paul seems to be friends with everyone like ivan said and one thing that's quite disturbing to watch actually is the power that paul has in terms of i remember when harry 
turned on, uh, no, got really upset about Johnny and he came in and he was up and he said, oh, because I got upset, that doesn't mean I, I'm not strong enough to do this. Like it was something along mm. them lines. And I felt quite sorry for him because he seemed scared of Paul. So here's, here's a tactic, Jazz. Uh, if you're listening and this hasn't happened yet, which unfortunately it has and you're not, um, uh, don't get rid of Paul. Just hang on to him knowing if you get to the final five, you can be like, oh, it's Paul, by the way. Um, it's a tactic. I don't think that this is what he's going to do, but it is a tactic. Mm, I mean, the problem is there's a lot of traitors left, three of them. If you let Paul in until the end, considering he's the one you're most certain of being a traitor, yeah. I think it's sort of like playing with fire there. You don't want to give him too many traitors, they'll hire some more. Well, yeah, well, but you also don't want to end in a final, sort of like in Australia, where you just have several traitors and one faithful, and the faithful's just like, well, I'm fucked. I was just going to say, speaking of the fact that like uh, there was lots of traitors, uh, Claudia accused them on the morning of day six of um, there being seven faithfuls dead and only one traitor. Well, take out the four that the traitors murdered. That's four banishments. One out of four is pretty good, considering there are four and a half yeah. times more faithfuls than traitors. They've actually like done better than the odds. So shut up, Claudia. I love you. <laughs> shut up. Do you, know, yeah. do you know what? This comes to my reoccurring segment, and I'm going to do this every week now. My, we're going to have a ladder called the the strength of the, no the strongest traitor no the strong traitor ladder or something okay. along that Ivan come up with a better name uh, the 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 uh, rung or right oh yes like wrong or right but rung rung no uh, no I'm, I want a ladder with the power like a power chart of who, what's ladders made of mate wood yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Tell me. It's made of rungs. These the, the things that are on a ladder are called rungs. Well, I've just learned something. Yeah. If you're a casting producer for Celebrity Mastermind, maybe stop listening to this podcast ASAP. Mate, I already turned it down. I already turned it down. When you go to the celebrity one, they ask such inane questions like, "What? What day beginning with T comes after Wednesday? <laughs> Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, so my, my ladder of power... No, because it's not power. Right, anyway, it's a ladder, right? This is my recurring segment and where we put the tra- the traitors um, in terms of... Right. Pa- not power, power, but not power. I feel like you've, ju- you've yeah. just rebranded Ivan's segment where we guess who's going to win the game. <laughs> Should we do my segment then? Come on, we've, it's, it's, been, it's been brung up. Let's do it. Right, are you ready? <laughs> I, I'm hijacking your recurring segment from my recurring segment. Who'd you got? Who's your guy? Who'd you got? Who's your guy? Let's go back to our initial six. Now, by the way, a correction for those of you who keeps score at home. Will said jazz, but then he texted us off. Like, I, I mean, Jasmine. So no, I did. Take, no, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. you really did. You cannot go back on that, <laughs> which I was thinking was really funny because jazz, I think they're both brilliant, by the way. Jasmine, hugely intelligent, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Either is a good pick, but you did pick Jasmine. So, Wilf, you picked Harry and you picked Jasmine. How are you feeling about those those couple? Harry, I'm feeling quite confident about. I feel like if... Um, I don't know now. I was really confident until the end of episode six. So mm. I've lost a bit of faith in Harry. Jasmine, I'm still very confident in Jasmine. I think her and Jazz are quite a good duo anyway, because they do have conversations quite a bit, what they have done previously. So I feel like... She has a really good chance as well to get into the final. I'm not sure if you'll win it. I'm very de- well, I'm dead set that the traitors win the series, but I think I'm quite happy with her getting to the final. It's a good slate. It's a good slate. Ryan, you've got Miles and Molly. Yeah. Uh, Miles, yes, yeah, with the chance. Molly, mm. probably not. Do you think she's a murder, a murder suspect? A murder suspect, a murder contender? 
I think she it could go either way. She could be banished for being, you know, a bit too quiet. No one's mentioned her once as a potential traitor. Well, that's the thing, but no one mentioned me once as a potential traitor until they ran out of ideas and were like, let's go for the shy one. I did. I thought you might have been a traitor yeah, you at one did. point. We did. We did have a little fight uh, just before Red Breakfast where we were like, well, I think you're a traitor. Yeah, it was so mild-mannered and cute. <laughs> but, you know, there was a bit of screaming. A little bit of screaming, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I, was there? Yeah, a little bit. No, the only time I went off was at the round table and they, they were very kind to edit it out because I was like, you interrupt everybody! And it was like, I, got, I was really angry about it. Uh, Paul and Charlie, uh, that's my prediction, as you know. Uh, Paul, yeah, I agree with you, Wilf, least likely of the three now to win. Charlie, who knows? Who knows? But but very friendly, very good, could easily be in the final. Still imagine that. I think I'm doing least well of the three of you, but congrats, guys. All six of our picks made it through the next three episodes, so... Which is a lot, because that's halfway through the series, and they're still there. We're halfway. That's mad, isn't it? Now, we've talked about the good faithful... Uh, that's jazz let's take a moment to chat about the rest of the faithful oh come on zach's a good faithful that's a good faithful i really like him and he did something quite interesting where he went oh if ash is a traitor you can vote me up tomorrow which is always actually usually a sign you're faithful but i mean you you've got like anthony walking into breakfast and saying oh ash wasn't even on my radar when you know she was basically on everyone's radar you've got diane who i know social media treats her as a queen but she is Basically throwing every name possible at the wall and hoping that something will stick. Yeah, scattershot Diane. Yeah. Yes, she's mentioned Ash, Megan, Anthony. She's just a scattergun technique. Charlotte yeah. basically should be a traitor because she's the traitor's biggest asset. She's just, um, you know, a lot of not very good gameplay from the Faithful so far. How are we feeling about their performance? Well, it's hard, but judging them just on the accuracy of their guesses, right? Um, there's other things as well. But but yeah, the, it's it's difficult to watch because there isn't a lot of unity. But maybe that's good. Maybe that means there's getting lots mm. of ideas getting thrown around. Um, I don't know. We've mentioned the good ones already. I think everyone's having a, everyone. They're making great TV. They are, but they're not all hugely accurate about their reads. Yeah, I think um, Evie or what's the what's the other one? Charlie. Uh, Charlie. Charlie. Sorry. Um, the sisters. Yeah, the sisters. Um, I feel like Evie or Charlie are going to be silent, silent, but deadly later. I feel like we haven't seen enough strong faithfuls apart from jazz at the moment. I don't think there has been, but there's been a massive edit on the traitors at the moment. And I want to say something. I want to justify the whole Evie yeah. and Charlie thing, because everyone's made that joke about, I can't tell the difference between them. To me, it's clear as day. Um, and I think they are showing a lot of Charlie, actually. You see Charlie being very peppy, being very fun, being incredibly um, relatable. Um, she's talked about her deafness, which I think is really interesting. Um, mm. You can tell everyone loves her. And you can tell she's just brilliant to have around and is supporting their moods and probably supporting them having theories and them going on big old rants because she's bringing them up a bit. Whereas Evie, every time she speaks, I'm like, yeah, you're pretty clever. She's, she's had some really good ideas. Um, she's pretty insightful. She only says things when she means them. And she is one of the only four people, I think, who've mentioned Paul as a possible traitor. So I think people should like just calm down a bit on the whole they're both yeah. blonde and both women because they're nothing like each other. They're nothing like each other. Uh, it doesn't change from the fact that, you know, some of these faithfuls aren't doing necessarily very well at finding traitors, but I am still very much rooting for them. Uh, contrary to the traitors, there's a lot of personalities of people I like, people I want to see, like, go far, people I just want to be friends with, that I just want to cuddle and say, oh, I'm sorry the traitors did that to you. Like, they're just 
quite a nice bunch, to be honest. It's always quite nice to see. I just, um, I also want to, uh, this is maybe an exasperation that you've heard from me before as well, but like the reason why we haven't seen these people is not to do with the fact that they're quiet. It's to do with the fact that we don't get to see what they do. And it, it, I find that really, really hard as well, because like we're all crying. At, like I'm supporting the Faithfuls this season as well. I'm not. And I just want to see more of them. Um, yeah, but I noticed it at the end of episode six when they were preparing the wine and finding the cup, and I was like, "I hope they get caught." I said, "I hope they get caught," and like I was just every time Zach looked out the window or like every time um, Ross looked in through the door, I was like, "Come on, come on!" I want to hear. I want to hear someone be like, "What are you guys doing?" And then they like have to put the book back, and like that would have been insanely cool. My worry is it could never have happened, otherwise the series would have ended. So like, did that really happen? Is it exactly as it looked? Or was was it, you know, producers sitting in the doorway being like, guys, you can't get outside right now. Exactly. They couldn't really afford to let them fail that Poison Chalice mission. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what I, I think would be amazing, though, with the Poison Chalice? If Diane went to drink it and was like, actually, you were very suspicious giving me this. You asked me multiple times. Mm. And I've seen season one. Like, <laughs> I, I know they're recycling certain things. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because I was thinking, if they'd done this at night, I think somebody would have reasonably quickly figured out something was up. By the fact that usually after the round table, you've got a little bit of time for chat, but very soon it's midnight, it's time for murder, they all send you into the cars. If it had lasted, all of a sudden, something that usually takes 30 minutes lasted four hours, I'd be thinking, mm, why are they making this last four hours? Something fishy's going on. Absolutely. Also, there was a massive continuity error. They came back from the task, which had been pitch black, and the sun was setting. <laughs> it was like, what? Hang on a minute. <laughs> the day just was different in Scotland, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so I, I think I think that's probably how they did it. Um, question for you guys. Is there any chance then that Diane is still alive? You said maybe mm, she puts the, yeah. the chalice oh, down I, and goes, actually, I'm not going to drink it. Any other way? I don't think so. The clock struck midnight before she took a drink, but like, that's not going to be anything. That's just editing. The only question I would have is if she refuses to drink it at all, which would be really, really interesting. Or if she just kind of like, I don't know. I just, I think, I think the reason why they're holding us on for this is because they want us to think there's a way for her to be alive because she's the queen. But I, she does drink from that cup. She does drink from that cup. I think it might just be cliffhanger. The only slightly interesting fan theory I've just read on the Twitter, uh, which I think would be really interesting and is hugely unlikely is that the poison will actually convert the faithful into a traitor. Uh, they won't. They won't. They won't go back up to four. It's a fan theory on Twitter. Um, I think it's unlikely. I think realistically, it's just quite similar to the cliffhanger they had just before Ash revealed she was a traitor. It's just a cliffhanger for the sake of making you think and discuss is something going to happen, but nothing actually is. I, I still look. I still look forward to seeing how this ends. Um, mm-hmm. Now, one more thing I want to discuss before we start wrapping up is the challenges. Uh, you know, the challenges are the challenges. I know not everyone's a fan. I think they're an important part of the game. We've had this conversation before. Uh, there's just two things I want to discuss. First of all, episode five. This wasn't a catapult. This was a trebuchet. Trebuchet. This was not a catapult. Come on, guys, get get your throwing utensils together. What's the difference between it? I know. I know the difference, but for the for the listeners. Trebuchet is an over-the-top motion. It uses a counterweight to swing over the top. Catapult uses elasticity or some sort of uh, sort of more linear pull. Thank you. The other point is that challenge in episode six at night. I'm only thinking Miles had really been flying under the radar the whole time, and that day, all of a sudden, his name came into a lot of people's mouth. And Paul started shouting his name and out. We know from a logical point of view, it does not make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense logically to say, "Oh, he wasn't contributing to the task; he must be a traitor." But could that be his downfall? Did he overexpose himself in that challenge? 
I think it's, I didn't like the way Paul jumped on it very, very quickly. Um, in the car, didn't he mention, oh, he didn't get involved very much and already started to plant seeds on miles. It's all, all almost like, but when I went into the traitors, my game plan was to befriend and betray, but it was all faithfuls. It weren't, I never went in there to backstab because I didn't really understand the game enough to, to be like, oh, I need to backstab them to get to the final. I didn't know how it ended. So I always did it to sort of save myself or with Amanda, pure paranoia. With Paul, it seems premeditated. It's like he knows mm. that he wants to get rid of them all at some point. Um, so he's already started to plant the seeds that he might start using later on when he needs to. It's like he's just feeding people little crumbs of like evidence because it is evidence because he's a traitor, right? It's not an invisible biscuit. It's a biscuit. So I feel like he, he didn't do the, make the right decision for not getting involved enough either um in that task also can i just say i would have much preferred zombies running around trying to catch them <laughs> than the light <laughs> yeah but that would have been so so like too, i know this show is camp but that would have been so camp and then i wish like somebody broke it out into thriller halfway through and they just yeah. uh, had to learn the routine with it in they have to learn the routine in 10 minutes <laughs> i did for a second think that aubrey might have been in one of the, <laughs> one of the little so i have a question for you guys okay go on we are halfway through the series so far how are you rating it let's do one to ten each episode that's what i want to do i would say the first one episode was like a seven seven and a half the next two for me were nines four was a ten and i feel like they're setting us up for big things to happen in the second half because the second the last two episodes we've watched episode five and six for me have been around 7.5 to 8 max at times there's a total of 50 was that really yeah yeah you all ridiculous bro <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna give individual grades but i think generally it was a good start it sort of climbed up towards episode three and four and episode five went down a little bit but they are setting us up for some really good stuff i think in the second half of the series i don't know if i've been thinking of it like each episode out of 10 um so i'm not going to refuse to answer your question like that will but i do think yes it peaked, it's okay it, it peaked at four um and i think what people want is that sweet sweet release of getting them to catch a traitor and i just feel like we need some 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 sweetness and light we need maddie telling telling andrea and uh, amanda how old people die on the toilet we just need something that's just gonna make us go oh chuckle chuckle and we've had a bit of that with ross and diane of ross being like uh, i didn't i didn't warm to her at first but she's kind of nice isn't she and like i want a bit more of claudia i think uh, yeah you can always do with more claudia. A bit more campness from claudia do you know like the meme yeah. meme worthy there's there's a thing that happens with the traitors and i i, I want you guys to recognize this because i think it's happened in every series i've seen at some point which is at some point misery just abounds right misery just takes over it happened very close to the end of our first season when there mm. were a couple of really i think it was around the time when maddie was eliminated and around then there was a couple of really miserable round tables where everyone was just sad and you could just tell everyone just felt really sad about it and like that happens i get it but they that has to be punctuated with humanity and that that's what we need to get really on that note should we be back next week then to uh, discuss hopefully a bit more joy and some traitors being caught uh in episodes seven eight and nine that would be nice yes that would be lovely that would be really actually do you know what ryan 
I'd really like that personally. You know what? We should make this a series. I call it the podcast, like something like it's just a game or something. Yeah, podcast is a nice term for it, actually, because on our iPods, it's going to be cast through our iPods. Yeah, so that makes sense. Which we all have. Well, we'll be back in that case next week uh, for more of our review of the Traitors UK series two. If you like the podcast, you know what to do. Give us a five-star review. Give us a like, um, shout on the street, uh, say, uh, Will, if I want you to bear my kids. Smash open a mausoleum, just shout inside. Just do something (laughs) nice. My name is Ryan. You can follow me at The Poison Chalice. My name's Will. Follow me at Traitors for the W. My name's Ivan. Follow me at We Need More Joy. And from all of us here, it's see you next week and goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.